Welcome to Cathedral of the Rockies. My name is Dwayne, and I'm one of the pastors here. Glad you're here today. Well, here's kind of the question today as we think about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. How do you know if you are on God's path? I mean, what are the signs that tell you, yes, I'm living as Jesus would want me to live? How do you know you're on God's path? There's this story in the Gospel of John in chapter 14 where Jesus is speaking and he says these familiar words, you know the way to the place where I'm going. Now Thomas, who's one of the 12, replies this way. Thomas said to him, actually, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Isn't that interesting? Thomas has walked with him for years and he says, look, we're not clear. And then read verse six with me. We'll put it on the screen, Jesus' response, all right? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. How do we know we're on God's path? Some of you know that I just returned from walking the Camino de Santiago in Spain. I spent 33 days walking this 500-mile pilgrimage And people walk the Camino for lots of different reasons. I met a friend, Ursula, from Germany who was walking because in the last year she'd lost her mother to cancer. That's Ursula on the right and the red. And she wanted to walk kind of in honor of her mother who had also walked the Camino and the Camino meant a lot to her mother. So she was there to be in solidarity with her mother. I met Joe over dinner who was from California and Joe was in his early 80s and he had lost his wife uh, to cancer. And he said, you know, I'm here because she and I walked the Camino before and I'm here and I'm doing it my way. I said, what's your way, Joe? He's like, I walk till breakfast and then I take a taxi. (laughs) That's a good way to do it, you know? I mean, that's 80, 80 plus, that's okay. He said, I tell, you know, but I'm doing it my way. He said, I don't really have any questions. I'm just here to listen. Just here to listen. Met lots of young people like Lena, a friend again from Germany. She was between jobs, kind of in the midst of early career. And she was saying, you know, what do I want to do with my life? I've done this. I can make a lot of money doing this. But is that really what I want to do with my life? And she took a break between jobs to listen. I walked with Peter. Peter said, this is the 10th time I've done the Camino. 10 times. He said, you know, I don't really believe in God. But when I'm here, God is real. And this is my spirituality. Wow. I walked with another friend, Bill. Bill said, I came to walk the Camino with my friend. A friend called me and said, I want to walk the Camino. I only have a week. Bill said, I'll meet you. We'll walk a week. And his friend fell on the very first day, broke three ribs. And he said, his friend went home. He said, so I guess I'm really here for me for a week to walk the Camino. I heard about the Camino about 10 years ago when one of you in the body of Christ, you came back and told me about it. I'd never heard of it. And, and this idea of a pilgrimage got planted in my life. And I thought, someday I want to do that. I want to walk so I can hear God differently, so I can see God differently, so I can experience God differently. I just want to go move myself out of the norm. Pilgrimages tend to be body, mind, and spirit often where you experience God in new ways. 
Maybe you, though, have journeyed with Jesus a long time, and maybe you have the question like Thomas, am I on the path? I mean, maybe you look at Jesus and say, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. How can we know the way? Well, the Camino de Santiago is a pilgrimage that's taken place for a thousand years. People in ancient days left their homes in Europe and walked from wherever, Germany, France, England, Spain. They walked as they made their way to Santiago. And once they got there, they turned around and walked home. So we tend to think, wow, you did the Camino. I didn't have to walk home, you know? Wow. In the Middle Ages, Santiago became a pilgrim destination uh, associated with St. James, the apostle. The tradition is that James went to Spain soon after Pentecost, and he preached the gospel, and then soon returned to Jerusalem where he was executed by King Herod, and that his, his disciples brought his remains back to, back to Spain. Now you could say, is that really true? Are his bones really in the Cathedral de Santiago? We don't know. We don't know. That's the legend. But we do know that this has become a holy pilgrimage for a thousand years because millions of people believe that God is present there in a unique way. In a sense, that's not the point. Are his bones there? The pilgrimage is the point. To walk the Camino is to walk on holy ground. And people originally took this pilgrimage to have their sins forgiven. That may tell you something about me. But some others were sent on this pilgrimage because they were a heretic and they had to walk it in penance. And some of you who disagree with my theology might go, and that's why you walked it. <laughs> Throughout history, though, pilgrimages have been part of faith. Our Abrahamic Muslim brothers and sisters, they take pilgrimage to Mecca even today. Our Jewish brothers and sisters took pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the festivals of Pentecost or Passover or Tabernacles. Christians take pilgrimage. But how do you know if you're on God's path? Literally on the Camino, you're looking for signs. You're looking for a scallop shell. That's one of the signs that you're on God's path. Maybe you noticed them as you came in the last couple of weeks, the signs on the floor. And that's kind of what you did as you walked, sometimes in the road, sometimes on the path, sometimes in the sidewalk, there'd be a scallop shell that's pointing the way. Some people believe the scallop shell became a symbol because one, they're, they're found in Spain, and two, Maybe there's some miracles that were associated with St. James and scallop shells too. The other sign you see on the, path, on the way is a yellow arrow. This is fairly new to this thousand year pilgrimage. Only the last 30 years has this been present. It goes back to priest Elias Valina. He was a priest in a town called Osobreo and he studied the pilgrimage and at the time, in the early 80s, not many people were making this pilgrimage. And he hungered for it to be reborn. And so as he studied it, he went to the towns and the parishes along the way and showed them where the original path was, and they cleared the path. And he said, we've got to make it clear for people to know they're on the right path. So he began painting a yellow arrow pointing the way. And so the two official symbols of the Camino are the scallop shell and the yellow arrow pointing the way. 
He was painting arrows one time near the French border and, and some government officials stopped because they thought, well, is he like um, helping terrorists do something? And they said, what are you doing? He said, I'm preparing for an invasion. <laughs> it's easy to follow the path. I mean, there are signs. And it's easy to lose the path. Because sometimes life gets in the way. We must be intentional to stay on God's path. Each day I would look for the signs. I would look for the scalp shot. I'd look for the arrow. I'd check my guidebook, my map. I would occasionally pull out the app, the Camino Ninja, and I would look at the Camino Ninja app to see if I was on. Sometimes I would just listen or look for other pilgrims. Am I on the way? How do you know you're on the way? How do you know you're on the way of Jesus? In his book, Postcards from Babylon, Brian Zahn, who's a pastor, there's also a YouTube video by that same name, Postcards from Babylon. Brian Zahn writes these words. The original Jesus movement was not a pietistic religion, a private belief about how to go to heaven when you die. The original Jesus movement was a countercultural way of public life. If Christianity is not seen as countercultural and even subversive with military economic superpower, you can be sure it's a compromised Christianity. Wow. We see this today in Christian nationalism. A compromised Christianity. Walking the Camino, just like walking with Jesus, is countercultural. I mean, on the Camino, you're not about acquiring stuff because you got to carry it. So it's countercultural. You, you, you become a minimalist. What's happening as you walk with Jesus? What changes is God calling for? Axton Gonzalez Gabriel writes these words about the Camino. He says, it's a place where there's no room for the usual bombardment of boredom, superficiality, consumerism, and violence. It's a different world, a way of love. Follow the signs. So the very first night I got into St. Jean-Pied de Port, I went to the, the, the office. There's a specific office there that gives you your credential that you get. You have to have kind of like a passport. You get a credential and then they stamp it every time you stop somewhere to kind of prove that you're on the path. And it also allows you to have to say to others, I'm a pilgrim, and that might get you a cheaper bed, it might get you a pilgrim lunch, uh, you're still going to pay, but a pilgrim rate. You're, you're proving you're on the pilgrimage. So I, I got that just about five minutes before the office closed, and the, the volunteer that was helping me said, introduce yourself, said, my name's Helen, and I went, oh, my mother's name is Helen. My daughter's name is Helen. She said, oh, there aren't many Helens in Germany where I'm from, but she said, that's beautiful. And I was like, okay, this is a sign. I'm on the path, right? My mother and my daughter are with me. And so she goes, are you going over the Pyrenees tomorrow? And I go, I am. And she said, she pulls out the map and she says, um, late in the day, over the top of the Pyrenees, the path will, will have a convergence. You can go left and you can go right. And she put a big X and said, do not go left. And I said, okay. 
And she said, look, it's really steep if you go left. People get hurt when they go left. And she put another X, do not go left. Right here, and she showed me again on the map, do not go left. And I said, you know, it looks like it'll be a good day tomorrow. The weather looks okay. She said, you'll probably get a little rain at the top. I said, great. She said, do not go left. And she put a third X on the map. And I said, thank you, Helen. She gave me my scallop shell. I went and had a good night's sleep. And next day began the journey up the mountain after a number of hours climbing the mountain and the rain came in. We got to the place of the convergence and I had just met Peter, Peter who had walked the trail 10 times. And Peter's telling me, this is my 10th time and we get to the convergence and I said, we're not supposed to go left. And he goes, no, it's better to go left. (laughs) He said, this is the best way. And I said, well, most people are going to the right. He said, yeah, 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 this is the best way. Sometimes when you're on the path, there are competing voices, even in faith. Even when you walk the journey with Jesus, sometimes as you walk this walk, there are competing voices in our life that says, no, no, Jesus would want you over here. No, no, Jesus would want you over here. And you have to discern, where is God's voice? I went left. (laughs) No shock, I know, right? No shock, no shock. I often say to my kids, my adult kids, one of the hardest things about being an adult is not choosing between good and bad. It's choosing between good and good. So often there are multiple good answers, and you have to decide which one is the right good answer for you. My sister Trudy joined me for the last two weeks on the Camino, and we met lots of great people. And one day we were walking from Surya to Portaman, and as we walked there, Portamarin, as we walked there, I kept looking ahead and going, isn't that Olivia? Now, Olivia had been in the same albergue, the same place we stayed the night before, and she was not feeling well. She would kind of slept in and tried to take care of herself. And, and that morning she got up and she decided she'd walk even though she didn't feel well. She put her headphones in and kind of had her head down and she was walking, but the path had turned. And and Trudy said, yeah, I think that's Olivia. And I said, do you think she wants to go that way? Because that's not the way the path goes. And she said, "I, I don't know. So I just went, Olivia. Of course, she has her headphones in, so she can't hear me. So Trudy joins me. We both, Olivia. And Olivia kind of stops and looks back and we go, do you want to be on the path? And she's like, oh, I I missed it. You know, sometimes when you're doing good things, you think you're doing the right thing, but sometimes the world gets in the way. Sometimes circumstances or other things happen. Sometimes you have your head down and you miss the signs. And you need, this is the gift of community. Why join a small group? Because sometimes someone in a small group goes, you missed the turn. (laughs) It's this way. And they help you stay on God's path. About a week later, I met Michael. He was walking the path, Michael Veter. And he's the, he introduced himself. He said, I'm the dean of St. George Cathedral in Cape Town, South Africa. That's Michael there to my right. And I said, oh, I've been to Cape Town, South Africa. I've been to this cathedral. That's where Bishop Tutu had served. I I was aware of it. And um, Michael said, yeah, I'm the dean of the cathedral. And I went, I'm the Dwayne of the cathedral. (laughs) 
<laughs> in Boise. And um, he started to share with me um, what it was like to grow up in an apartheid nation. And he told me the story. He said, you know, there was a bishop at the very beginning of apartheid in the mid-50s. His name was Jeffrey Clayton. And as the laws were being written by the state to separate people based on the color and the size of their nose and the type of hair, he said, this bishop called together all the other Anglican bishops into, into Cape Town. And they discussed that it, it seemed like the government was not on the right path. It seemed like the government had left the path. And what was their, what should they do as Christian leaders? Remember the thought? The original movement of Jesus is countercultural. Alan Payton, in his book about this moment called Apartheid and the Archbishop, writes that it was on Ash Wednesday, 1957, when Clayton, Bishop Clayton, signed a letter on behalf of the bishops of all the churches of South Africa, a letter to the prime minister refusing to obey the counsel of the new law, refusing to counsel the people of the church to obey the new law, section 29C, the Native Law Amendment Act. And then he writes this, Clayton wrote, we should ourselves be unable to obey this law or to counsel our clergy and people to do so. We therefore appeal to you, sir, not to put us in this position in which we have to choose between obeying our conscience, or I would say obeying the gospel and obeying the law of the land. Wow. I hear an echo of Dr. Martin Luther King's words as he wrote the letter from the Birmingham jail. One has not only a legal but moral responsibility to obey just laws, and conversely, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. See, Bishop Clayton and his colleagues understood sometimes when you're on the path of God, it's countercultural, and it may cost you. They understood that the government's laws excluding others was clear they weren't on the path of God. How do we know? How do we know if we're on God's path? In Mark chapter 10, verse 17, the story reads like this. Now Jesus was walking down the road and, and one came running and knelt before Jesus and asked him, good teacher, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Great question. What must I do to get eternal life? How do I know, essentially, how do I know I'm on God's path? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one's good but God. But you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your parents. The one answered to Jesus, teacher, I've done all this since I was a kid. In other words, I'm on the path. I'm, I'm doing it right. And then verse 21, Jesus looking at them, loved them and said to them, one thing you lack, go, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, take up your cross and follow me. But the rich young ruler, they were sad at this word. And they went away sorrowful for they had great possessions. To stay on the path of Jesus often means our regular behavior has to change. That there's a course correction. 
that's taking place. That's, we would call this in the old church, this is the journey of holiness. As we seek to become more and more like Christ, there's this whisper of God that says, work on this, stop that, add this. We seek to be like Christ. So after walking the Camino, one of the things I heard God say was, you need to work on your patience. Walking the Camino will do that. There's not a lot going on. Want to stop and get coffee? Might take 10 minutes before they wait on you. After they wait on you, Americans are ready to pay, right? I want to pay. A lot of times they're like, sit down. And you're like, but I didn't pay. They're like, sit down. And you sit down, you have your coffee, and you're like, I'm ready to pay. And they're like, it's not your turn yet. You know, we're like ready to move on. Slow down. After walking the Camino, one of the things I, I, I desperately need is to eliminate the amount of news in my life. It's okay to take some news in, but you don't need more than 20 minutes, maybe 30. The world's still there. How's it making you a better person? You might need to add more beauty. One of the things that was a gift every day was to walk in creation every day and to be aware of how creation every day, regardless of the news, shouts the praises of God. Every day. The flowers, the, the vines that were getting ready to bring forth grapes that would bring forth wine, the cattle and the sheep. Just nature every day shouts God's praise, regardless of the things you and I are worried about. I hunger to walk more with God. So here's the action step. Watch the signs. Watch the signs. God is speaking. God is loving you. So what's the one thing in the midst of the signs God's saying? More of this, less of that. Buen Camino. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for the privilege of worship today, the chance to come and be your people, the chance to see the church, uh, the future of the church up here on stage as they sing and as they praise you. Thank you for the privilege of serving today. We thank you for our friends in the lobby that are working with Interfaith Sanctuary. May they, may they find their feet as they make a new world. May we together partner with them as we say we see you. And we, you matter to us, and you are on the path. God, may we listen in ways that we're willing to um, hear your voice and live this countercultural life. It's in the name of Jesus the Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.